Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Today, it's day baseball as the Padres wrap up the homestand in their latest series against the Rockies. And holding down the big chair, we've got Bob Scanlon. Hey, when you're that guy, if you're, just, you're the big gun in the clubhouse and the big guy in the lineup, then you've got to live with that responsibility. Alongside Bob, it's Bill Center, who is still adjusting to the new, well, millennium. Okay, it's a different era. I don't like this era. And rounding out the crew, a man who's a little shy with the camera, Chris Ello. We both have good faces for radio. I think <laughs> right. Yeah. That, so. Hey, everybody yourself. here. All three of us. Now, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the Western Metal Supply Company building, it's Padre Social Hour with your hosts, Bob Scanlon, Bill Center, and Chris Ello. And it's another beautiful day in San Diego. Welcome. Glad you're with us today at Padre Social Hour. I'm Bob Scanlon, joined along with Bill Center. Chris Ello, happy to have you with us here in the Western Metal Supply Building, home of Petco Park, home of the team for the military, San Diego Padres, and right. certainly appropriate on this day. And this is a baseball show. We're going to talk a ton about baseball, but we would also be remiss if we didn't acknowledge with hallowed reverence that it's the 15th anniversary of September 11th and the events that took place uh, this day 15 years ago where our country was attacked. Everybody has a memory of where they were, what happened. I think we would not talk about it a whole lot here today, but I think baseball has such an important part in that event and in the country's recovery. I just thought we'd start off with some memories of that day, Bill. Where were you? What what, what do you remember? Recovery is really a good way of putting it because it didn't heal. I mean, baseball helped with the recovery, but the but the wound is still there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, always will be. Uh, no, I was, I was home. I was actually, uh, I had just finished walking our dog, and I walked into the uh, living room, flipped on the uh, television. I was, I mean, I was probably the most shocked I've ever been. And, uh, yeah, it burns all the time. No question. Chris? My Chris. wife was at the gym, so she called me because it, you know, it happened so early in the morning. I, I wasn't up yet, but... Uh, I mean, awful day. Did Piazza potentially make the Hall of Fame because of that home run that he hit? Yeah, Didn't that kind of – wasn't that the shot that rebounded everybody back into sports and into baseball? You know, it's a great question. It's interesting. It, it really is, and it really brings up the whole dichotomy of what was going on at that time with regards to baseball because immediately – now, I was with the Expos at the time. We were in Florida playing the Marlins. And I remember getting the phone call from my wife, hey, wake up, turn on your TV, see what's going on. Yeah. St- sat there mesmerized for several hours, finally needed to get out of my hotel room, went downstairs, to, and it was empty. There was nobody around. Right. In the lobby, uh, went to a local restaurant, it was closed. The only other person in the restaurant was the general manager of the Expos at the time, Jim Beatty. And Jim and I just looked at each other, and we were shaking our heads and just realizing that our lives had changed. And, you know, you bring up the the home run there, Chris, and obviously baseball was put in hold. It was just a realization to all of us at the time, how important is baseball? What's really important in our lives? And then shortly thereafter, it became a thing of the president calling Donald Fear, the head of the union at that time, and telling us we need to resume. We need to get America back on its feet. And baseball is such an important part of the fabric of this country. We need Major League Baseball back. And and for that event to take place in New York... And for Mike Piazza to hit that home run. In the first game. In the very first game. I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. I think it was a a pivotal moment in terms of our country 
rebounding and starting to heal, and whether or not it was the, the catalyst for him getting into the Hall of Fame, I think he had some numbers to go along with it as yeah, well, right, though. Right. But certainly that is a, a seminal moment in his career and, and something that will be me- There's two things I remember about post-9-11 baseball-wise, and one's the Piazza home run, and the other is George Bush's you know first pitch in the World Series that year. Right. I don't think I'll ever forget either of those two moments, and every time Blooper right. shows it because he's always got the he's always got the footage. I mean, you get a tear in your eye. I mean, it's just something that brings it back uh, brings it back home. Yeah, Bill, the Padres at that time they were in Arizona when all this took place. They resumed in Los Angeles, if right. I'm not mistaken. Right. What was the, the the feeling of the? Well, team I went, I was not in Arizona with the Padres at that time. I did go to the to, up to L.A. and. I, I think even when it resumed, players were still stunned. You know, where, where do we go from here? What, uh, you know, there were some guys wondering why we were playing. Other guys were like, you know, this is important for the country. And, you know, to me, it's no different really than the post-9-11 than 1942 when the United States had been in war and there was talk of no baseball season in 42. Mm-hmm. And the president, Franklin Roosevelt, said, no, we want baseball. We need baseball as part of the fabric of the home, homeland. Yeah. And I, I think the same thing applied to 9-11. You know, it's interesting because the NFL was going on at the same time as well. Right. And not to take anything away from football, but it seemed like baseball was more the, the important factor in right. bringing things back. And Paul Tagliabue, the, the commissioner at the time, had a tough decision to make. And he looks back on, on Pete Rozelle and the decision that he had to make Whoa. back in 1963 with John F. Kennedy getting shot. And Which the was NFL a terrible de- decision. The NFL decided to play games that Sunday. And right. I think to this day they probably regret that. Pete Rozelle always said that was the one thing he regretted the most about his entire tenure. Absolutely. It was maybe was the dumbest mistake he ever made. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, just, it's an interesting balance of w- when right. does sports take a back burner and when right. is it actually at the forefront of trying to help a country heal? But I, I think baseball is important to the fabric because it's there every day. It's not like you play on the weekends. And, and it was, I mean, when you read the, I mean, anybody who wants to read the history of the days after the start of World War II and everybody was going, you know, well, we've got to stop doing this and stop doing that. And baseball actually said, you know, they said, you know, hey, we're probably not going to have this. And Franklin Roosevelt said, no, absolutely not. You play the season. You're going to lose players mm-hmm. as they're drafted. But baseball is very much a part of the American fabric. Yeah, and we talk about the military. You can't not talk about Jerry Coleman and just bring up right. his memory oh. for a moment. You know, you got a big statue out there of the Marine fighter pilots right. serving in two wars and also playing Major League Baseball. And uh, so a great tradition, a great history here in San Diego that ties it all together. There's, there's no place, obviously, other than New York where 9-11 means as much. I mean, New York is the, mm-hmm. the center of the whole thing. Sure. And, uh, I'm excited because I know in, in November with the San Diego State women's basketball team, we're going to New York for a tournament and we're going to go to the 9-11 memorial and get a trip uh, there and – uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But I think San Diego, you know, with the military presence we have here, I mean, it's a big day in our city, and, and I think a lot of people feel that. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just it, it kind of it's, it's a bit of a sobering thought. Yeah, and it's Military Sunday. It always is here at Petco Park. Yeah. I love right. it. One of my favorite things ever in sports. I loved it as a visiting player now a chance to be here at Petco Park on Sundays. The camos? To see the Marines stand the up in camo uniforms, uh, the Marine yeah. recruits standing up and everybody you know, chanting the Marine hymn. and every, it's, it's great. Not that everybody else shouldn't be allowed to copy us, but <laughs> the Padres camo uniforms are always the ones that I like the best. And whenever I see another team wear them, they, 
I don't know. It doesn't mean as much to me for some this reason. This is where it originated. Right. Yeah. question this about is it. Where, this is where a lot of military affairs programs originated. Yep. Captain Jack Inch. Yep. They did a great job. Right. Baseball, last night, Padres coming off a victory, 6-3, very nice. And Christian Friedrich turning things around. Finally, he had been on an 11-game personal losing streak. So uh, a big day for Christian Friedrich, no question. And I thought he was lights out. I mean, I th- really liked the way he pitched last night. I mean, he was, all, he was around the plate all the time. Uh, I, I just, 93 pitches, 68 strikes. You've got to like that. Got to love it. Chris, anything that you saw last night in that performance that you well, thought might have been a little different? No, or? but I think, of, I, I, well, I think about, number one, the Rockies very rarely hit well here. So if you throw strikes, you're going to have a successful performance against them at sea level. But I wanted to ask you a question because if anybody knows about pitching against your former team, it had to be you. You had to do it a dozen times. <laughs> when you play for 12 different right. teams. Right, yeah. so I imagine for Christian Friedrich it felt pretty good. I mean, that's the team that drafted him and brought him along and basically gave up on him. So, I mean, that had to be an emotional night for him. I'm sure it was great, and he had that opportunity earlier in the season also to actually do it right. in Coors Field right. against his former and club. And he did I, it there too. Exactly. I thought that was sort of the exclamation right. point early on in the season for him of saying, yeah, not only am I pitching well, but now I've done it at Coors against my former yeah. club, like you mentioned, Chris. Well, last night he paused. He paused when somebody asked him about pitching against the Rockies, and he yeah. sort of waited for a second. He says, well, it'd be wrong to say it didn't feel good. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, thank well, you for natural. admitting it. Yeah, sure. nothing wrong with that. And it was interesting because... Scanlon, every game Scanlon played was against one of his former <laughs> yes, teams. Yes. You'd go it's on, like, road trips for weeks. It's tough when you've got friends on, always in the batter's box. <laughs> you know, every roommate you've ever had, you're trying to get out. So. Well, you, saw, you saw when Le- LeMayhew lined the ball off of... Exactly. When they got the first base... Friedrich looked over there and LeMayhew just sort of hit his hand on his pants and said, well, hey, that's the way it is. Oh, sorry, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were trying to keep their composure. Yeah, exactly. Because LeMayhew was laughing yeah. a little bit. You know, it was interesting going into that game. Friedrich had talked a little bit about possibly using the changeup more. And actually, when I saw the highlights there that we just saw, a lot of curveballs. It was right. more fastball curveball combination again. And no it's just change-ups. another reminder that. Right. No matter what game plan you go into a game with, you're no. adjusting, you're adapting. Whatever, whatever is working, you go exactly. with. Exactly. I, I love that Deck Eddings is behind the plate there, too. That doesn't hurt. He's, he's got a reputation for having one of the whitest strike zones, and we saw the last part of that yeah. highlight where de- uh, I think it was uh, Arenado turning around saying, are you sure that that's a strike? Well, so. both LeMahieu <laughs> and Ar- Arenado both argued. Uh, or yeah. you know, Isn't questioned. it smart, guys, to throw a lot of curveballs to the Rockies when they're at sea level because they break more than what they're used to seeing in Denver? Yeah, that could be. They don't see a whole lot of breaking balls at home, right? So they're, they're looking mostly or for the straight stuff. when they see them, they smash them over the wall because <laughs> they don't break. Which pitcher do you think being at Coors Field affected the most? Mike Hampton? Well, I would affected say Hampton, and, and Daryl Kyle struggled there tremendously right. as well. Oh, yeah, there were two Darryl guys Kyle. that were both big-name free agents when the Rockies took the theory, look, we need pitching. We're going to go out and get the best guys right. on the free agent and market. And they both – and they both fizzled over there. What's interesting is Daryl Kyle, as you mentioned, Chris, relied on the curveball, so he didn't have that big breaking pitch up there. And in talking to people's that, uh, people in the organization at the time, what they said was it wasn't so much that he didn't have the curveball at Coors. We get that. We understood that. But what he tried to do is overcompensate. So he tried to spin it even more and more. That, in turn, affected his ability to be effective away from Coors Field as well, and that's really where the downfall was. So... Yeah, it's tough. And since then, they've never gone in that direction again. No, they just gave up. Yeah, right. we're not going to go out and spend well, money on pitching. They went out 
I mean, and now they draft fastball pitchers. Yeah. Everybody they draft, they don't. They draft, should. They don't draft breaking Absolutely. ball pitchers. Yeah. Well, exactly. And just the other night, it's we, a smart organization. It only took them twenty-three years to figure this out. So right. Pretty well, good on every, Colorado's nobody, part. Nobody had pitched in those conditions before. And Chatwood the other day only threw eight breaking balls his entire outing. Right. And that's what you got to do. You've got to be able to locate your yeah, fastball. And Gray, down who pitched last night. I mean, the Padres did a good job against Gray, but yep. he's a good right. hard. You know, fastball yeah, right. pitcher. I was talking to Walt Weiss before the game today, and he was. We were talking about the pitching situation, and he was saying, "Hey, we got to find more arms out there." But really, he said, "What the challenge is at Coors, guys get intimidated, and oh. they start trying to nibble a little bit more, feeling like they have to be careful." Sure. And so now, what happens when you're behind the count, two and zero to a major league hitter? Does it make your job any easier? <laughs> no, absolutely not. And but so, Chatwood, you bring him up. I mean, he's got ridiculous splits this year in terms of what he's done on the road. road. He's been one of the better yep, pitchers right. in the league yep. on the road. Exactly. But I mean, overall, it's uh, you and, know, and obviously not. The same with the, yeah, the same with the guy last night. I yep. mean, has great splits on the road, and not so much. You know, talking about the splits and the numbers, Padres yesterday a lot of two out run production. Love to see that, right? Right. And we saw Will Myers with driving in some runs, Solarte as well. I did not realize the Padres have the best batting average in the National League with two, two outs and runners in scoring right. position. Yeah, it, is, yeah, it is strange, but they do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great. You've got to love that two-out damage, huh? Yeah, but, yeah, but it's what happens with one and two. <laughs> Zero and one no outs, outs and nobody one get outs. on. Right. Are you guys suggesting that the first two guys in every <laughs> inning should just make an out? Exactly, just like I they see. do in some of the travel ball teams now okay. where you go into extra innings, you put a runner at second base, <laughs> give it one out, and like, like okay, let's resume, right? You right. guys make outs, and then we'll go to hit. Yeah. Uh, Myers. Loved him yesterday. Base hits to both sides of the field. He goes opposite field, and he pulled one later on. Starting to make a little bit of a resurgence here at, at, the, at the back end of, of the season? You know, I thought the, the ground rule double that he rocketed yeah. to left. Uh, earlier in the year, that's a home run. Okay, so you think there's still maybe just a yeah, little I think bit there's still. I think there's a little fatigue there. Okay. But, I mean, earlier in the year, he reaches a seat with that. I mean, he had a nice swing and everything. Uh, I, it was sort of strange. I, I just thought that earlier in the year that was a home run. But I think he is having a little bit of a, a maybe a second win because what happens, you're into September, you can see the finish line. Right. I mean, it's like you run a marathon, you're dead for miles 21 through 25. But then that last mile, <laughs> you go, hey, wait a minute, I can see the finish. So maybe Will Myers can finish up strong. Yeah, and here Vasilarte, he's had a nice finish as well and three more RBIs last really night. Really good. Right. What do you guys project him in terms of his position as being a future Padre? He's over third base right now. We've got all these young infielders that are coming up. Is he the third baseman of the future, at least, maybe at least for the next couple of years? Well, right now, the very the weakest position in the minor league system is third base for the Padres. So you've got really a bunch of shortstops. You've got a bunch of second right. basemen. Now, some of those shortstops will become third basemen. I mean, I, the ones they just signed, the, right. the 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 Cuban shortstops, somebody's going to become a third baseman. Okay. But right now, there's really nobody close in the organization at third base. So I think the only two possibilities for third base right now would be Solarte and Schimpf, who actually played more third base in the minors than he did at second. Chris, is that a possibility? Might we see Schimpf over at third base in spring training? Well, you could, you could do that. You could maybe go with a bit of a platoon if you just wanted it. But then you take away left-handed at-bats from Solarte. I like Solarte on this team going forward, but I don't like him as my number three, four, five hitter. I, I think he fits in beautifully on a team that has three, four, five hitters, legit guys. Right. Then I think right. Solarte is a real, real you know, benefit to your team. I mean, I, I think he's a great ball player, but they're asking him to do so much because they just don't have the 
the, the talent around him. But I, I would not get rid of this guy because he goes somewhere else and plays on a good team and bats second bill or seventh. Right. He does no, a lot of damage for somebody would, and helps yeah, he, them get in the playoff. He's bat sixth or seventh. But yeah. for now, this is still right. an important guy in the Padres right. lineup and still a hole, uh, filling a nice hole, as you mentioned, over I, the hot corner. I think that the Padres would be more enamored with Solarte if he hustled a little bit more sometimes. Really? So it has nothing to do with the home run numbers being okay for a third-base corner position? It's more you think there's... There are times... Well, he's got pulled out of one game right. where he didn't uh, really run one out, and we've seen it before. We had a sing, uh, single a couple nights ago that's, that roll, that was off the wall, and he, didn't, he wasn't running hard and had wound up on first, what should have been a double. I don't think that that sets very well with management that is trying to frame, form younger players into this is what we want. So I know that there's going to be, I think there's going to be a come to Jesus meeting over the winter (laughs) with Solarte saying we want to see a little bit different how you approach the game. Well, that would be consistent with the new culture that Andy Green is trying Absolutely. to establish, no doubt Absolutely. about it. Absolutely. Why, why, Bill, wouldn't there just be one now? Why Why would we get to wait? You know what? Can we answer that question when we come back from the break? Yeah. Let's do sure. that. We'll talk about that. We've got bat flips to talk about as well. A near-perfect game that got spoiled, so a lot to cover still. We'll get that as we come back from the break. But right now, we need to give away camo jerseys. We love giving away stuff. And guess what? It's the jersey off your back night. Petco Park from September 19th through the 25th. For the 16th annual Shirts Off Their Backs, presented by Saquon Golf Resort, fans can purchase a $1 scratch-off ticket for a chance to win a player-worn Navy Digi Camo jersey. Love those. Proceeds benefit the Padres Foundation. So be a part of it. Get yourself a game-worn jersey. More baseball talk when we come back right here on Padres Social Hour. Before every game, get your Padres talk on with us. This is Padres Social Hour. Hey, welcome back to Padres Social Hour. Great to have you with us. And as we said, it's the Social Hour. We want you to be a part of the show. Hashtag PadresSH if you want to shoot us a tweet. And we actually have a tweet coming in from Garlicky Fingers. Love that one. Hey, I think Solarte's enthusiasm and personality are important for this team, too. Great point. I agree. Any disagreement there? I I totally agree with the point he just made. Yeah. However, I want to see my guys running out balls. And the only (laughs) way you don't run out a ball, you're dogging it. And you're not asked to run out balls that many times a game. I get it. And, and I think that that has struck a chord with the Padres. The fact that Solardi won, came out of one game because of it. Yeah, and he's enthusiastic and he's got this great personality and everything. Run out the ball. I don't think anybody disagrees. And, Chris, right. you brought up a great question right before the break, which I want to get back to. Okay. If you're going to have the come-to-Jesus talk at some point with Solarte or anybody on this ball club, why wait? I mean, if it, if it has to go on during the off season, has it already gone on right now? Oh, possibly? I think it has, but well, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I just think. I mean, to me, you said they pulled him out of one ball game, right. which I I like. I'd pull him out of every game that he doesn't run out of ball. I mean, and I'm not trying to be rude or, or mean to the guy, but I mean, this is unacceptable, and I think right. for Andy Green, especially so, because. The Padres can't afford that kind of stuff. They have to hustle more than other teams, and they have to, to lay out that law. Okay, so now your point was brought up exactly because some people felt like, okay, there's an example being set for some of the younger players, but it wasn't set for Matt Kemp. Right. And there were some people that felt like, okay, Andy, if you're going to call out the younger player, why not call out the older player? Well, and, and you know the answer to well, that. Well, there's a couple of answers. Right. I mean, yeah. first of all, you, you know, know them all. 
well, this player's <laughs> not going to be around for an extended period right. of time, so is that a fight you really want to pick? Bingo. And there's also the point of, look, an established player, how much are you really going to change that guy? Right. And you end up losing the player. Right. I think Melvin But haven't Jr. things changed dramatically from the last, like 25 years ago? Billy Martin, Dick Williams, are you kidding me? They didn't care who it was. They'd yank them out of a game. And here's the difference also, Nowadays, Chris, managers don't have that power. Not only that, but how often, and, and Bill, you saw this in some of the other clubhouses as well, guys policed themselves. Right. It wasn't the manager that came up and grabbed you by the shirt. Like, remember we saw Joe right. Girardi grab a young player and talk to him, and right. then he ends up getting a fight with the, with the owner, and he gets fired, right? You did, players, players did that to themselves. Did right. I mean, when I got called up to the big leagues, uh, Jim Lefevre was my manager at with the Cubs, and he told us the story of him getting called up, and within the first week, he, didn't, he wasn't in position on a cutoff. And the pitcher actually grabbed him and yelled at him, a pitcher, because he wasn't in the proper position. And he yeah. said, kid, if you don't start being in the right place and where you're supposed to be, you will not be here. We will make sure of that. And the players police themselves. I don't think you see that in the clubhouses anymore. No, you anymore. don't no. see that. And, and, like, we've had things this year where young players have made mistakes, and they really – there are – there hasn't been a veteran presence – I think there's a little bit more now with John Jay being back on the active roster. But Kemp and some of those guys would not step in and say, hey, this is the way you do it because, for one, they couldn't lead by example. Right. Is this, is this unfair to say that maybe back when Lefevre was playing, the pitchers knew where the cutoff guy was supposed to be <laughs> so they could say something? Nowadays, you don't even see pitchers backing up throws at third base, home plate. So how can he? How can a pitcher go tell somebody to, Chris, that's to be in the right spot? Oh, it's one of my pet peeves when I don't see pitchers right. backing up bases. I mean, guys yeah. aren't doing. They You're don't play the right. game right anymore. You're absolutely right. So no. they don't know what everybody else is supposed to be doing. When I was coming up in the Phillies organization, and this is almost a different generation ago right. now, they actually had us as pitchers go to shortstop go to second base during the outfield drills so we knew where all those guys were supposed to be. That's so, a great And idea. it wasn't so that we necessarily were going to call a guy out, right? I mean, we're not Sandy right. Koufax or Don Drysdale. We're not going <laughs> to grab the rookie by the collar. But you still needed to know where everybody was supposed to be so that you could line yourself up correctly and understand, hey, this is how the game is supposed to be played. And as a college pitcher who gave up more doubles and triples than anybody in the history <laughs> of the game. You were backing up bases? I knew how to back up bases with the best of them, baby. Oh, man. You know, it, it's great because we had Riley Westman on the show here. Right. He's now the coordinator of instruction for the minor leagues for the Padres. And as we talked about yesterday, Bill, he actually had manuals for all his catchers when he was the catching instructor. Here's how you do. Here's how you frame. Here's how you call a game. Here's how you position yourself. Here, all these little things. And so I can't help but to think that he is going to bring that same attention to detail to everybody in the organization. So hopefully – Better times ahead, and we'll I see some guys so. back in the bases. I remember a game earlier this year, and I hate to single out the pitcher, but it, it, it was Paul Clemens, and actually he laughed when he saw what he had done wrong. But yeah. there was a ball hit to left center, and he was backing up third, and he went behind third instead of down the line <laughs> where the throw was coming. Yeah. And, the, and, uh, and the catcher, uh, uh, Norris, sort of looked at him like, where because he had to go over the throw was high. Yeah. Right. Where's the, where's the pitcher? Where are you? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it used to be also where catchers would actually be yelling at guys. Hey, back up oh, third. Back right. up second. You know, get behind me wherever you're supposed to be. So How I, much of that, though, is with so many – I mean, the crowds are larger than the crowd noise. Can you still hear guys? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The when, when, the, when the catcher's yelling and screaming at you, you okay. can hear things. Now, not all the time. There are things that take place in the outfield that's a little more difficult right. because you have nothing for the sound to echo off of, and that becomes a little bit more of, of you know, you're screaming as loud as you can, but you – 
Again, do we sound like old men right now telling kids to get off our lawn? No, I don't think so. Because, like, I mean, as a viewer, as a fan, do you agree with us that in this day and age, a lot of guys don't play the game right, and we have a right to to be upset about that? This is a topic throughout the industry. Oh, absolutely. It started off in winter ball with some of the Dominican guys, right? Because for those young players to get off the island, they needed to throw super hard or hit the ball super super right. long, and he didn't get off the island by taking, right? You had to swing, swing, right. swing. The talent was there, but the scouts would say the baseball acumen and knowledge and experience isn't quite there yet. That's what these young players have to get up to speed on. Now we're starting to see it more with the American player as well, because how do these kids get drafted? By going to the showcases. Right. It's not about playing in the game. Who cares what happens in your high, sc- high school you or college game? You either hit the ball hard or throw it hard. As long as you show up at the showcase right. and light up a radar gun. Right. Or, or do fast on, on the stopwatch, yeah. that is what is going to get you signed in front of all the scouts. And so I think there is a sentiment throughout the game. That's a great point. Well, Chris. then it's baseball's fault because baseball doesn't want to recognize the nuances of the game when they draft players. Well, I think they're aware of it, and, and MLB has actually talked about getting together with some of these showcase events, Perfect Game and some of the others. Right. And this is a whole different topic, but it's an interesting one because, like you said, it, it, we're talking to the current baseball players out there, the young players that we hope to see on this field at some point. You know, do they take more control of those things and control some of the showcases, and what are they really looking for so that these kids are learning how to play the game and not just worried about trying to throw as hard as they can? You know, I went to – this is, a, again, off the subject, but I went to a Lake Elsinore game this year. Yeah. And there was agent, an agent in the, dug, in the clubhouse talking to a couple players, and I had never, ever seen that before. The agent was in the clubhouse? Right, at a minor league game. Really? Yeah, and it's like – whoa, you know, what are we coming to here? Yeah. No, that's interesting because normally the agents weren't allowed in the clubhouse yeah. at all. I know. I know. I was stunned to see it. Yeah. yeah. That, I don't know that that's a good sign, Bill. No. We're, we're, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's a good thing. Were the agents telling the players, hey, make sure you play better team ball. <laughs> right. Exactly. Move the no, runners. Yeah. But, but I no, I'm sure they were telling them drive in runs right. and put up numbers. It wasn't about being positioned on the cutoff play? No. no but, I but the whole thing, I mean, with a lot of young players, the whole yeah. thing has changed. They, they, there are some young players who don't enter the game looking to you know they've already got this aura about them that you know boy i'm i'm the hot stuff because i got drafted high and everything yeah well the agents are in a tough spot as well because they're trying to get these players on board and on the one hand you feel like your job to handle this young charge is to direct him right right on the other hand if you have a little bit of tough love, the player just says, I don't need you. I've got somebody else that's going to tell me everything that I want to hear. What you want to hear. Yeah. And exactly. I, uh, one agent told me the story of a, of a kid that he had. He got drafted, uh, I think he went 13th overall. In his mind, he should have gone second or third. The kid goes out, has a bad first year of rookie ball, fires the agent because he was under too much pressure. Because he went in the 13th, round, uh, 13th pick overall instead of the 6th. If he'd been the 6th pick overall, which was the agent's fault, he would have had a much better rookie season. I mean, wow. that's the kind of logic that goes through the minds of some of these players and the sense of entitlement with right. some of these young that, guys that's that needs to be yeah. reeled in. There is a sense of entitlement hey, with a lot of them. Hashtag Padres SH, if you want to chime in on this conversation, we'd love to hear what you have to say about uh, maybe the, the direction that the game is going. If you've got a young player that's actually got a chance to get drafted, we'd love to hear from you as a parent about how you think uh, he's being trained right now in, in terms <laughs> of uh, this great game. Uh, we've got a game tonight going on here, actually today. 
pretty soon. Edwin Jackson going against Chad Bettis. Edwin which, Jackson. Which Edwin Jackson? Exactly. I was going to say, coming off an amazing outing versus the Boston right. Red Sox. Shut down one of the hottest offenses in all of Major League Baseball. But which one are we going to get a chance to see today? Who knows, Chris? And Bettis also is coming off of the best game he's ever pitched. Right. It was a uh, two-hit shutout, I believe, his last yeah. time out. So Complete both guys game. are coming in Complete off a good game. game. Do you think with Edwin Jackson it's just a case of a veteran guy knowing, look, th- this is a marquee team. This is when I've got to step it up. And, you know, there's really something on the line as opposed to I'm facing the Atlanta Braves in the Scans, middle of September. I've always loved Edwin Jackson stuff. I'm one of those, I'm one of those people that, have, that drink the, drink the, <laughs> the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Right. <laughs> I've always loved his stuff. I've always thought that, God, this guy could be a really great pitcher. And I've, and I've sort of watched his career from afar as it's just been this wild ride. Yeah. One start to the but match. you're not the only yeah. one who thinks that because no. 11 major league teams have, have signed him drank all on, thinking yeah. the same thing. I mean, uh, the number of pitching coaches out there that think, God, if I could get that guy. I can make him consistent. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know Darren Balsley felt the same way as you. And right. Just in terms of right. it's not a whole lot of mechanical changes no. or anything. A lot of times it's just – Right here, right. in terms of the mindset of having confidence in his stuff or maybe using what he has a little differently. And we've seen some outstanding outings. When he's on, Edwin Jackson is as good as anybody in the game. Yep. I mean, I'm serious. When he's on, his pitches, it's criminal what he can throw when he's <laughs> on. But very quickly in any game, you, you can look. I mean, even today, you know by the first or second inning whether he's on or he's. It's true. You know in the first couple innings, right. don't you? Yeah. Chris, you made a great point. Curveballs were successful last night with Friedrich on the mound. Edwin Jackson maybe watching that and says, I hope yeah, so. the curveball worked last night for did Christian. They, did they, I don't know. Do they still have the next day starting pitcher chart pitches the night before, or is that gone by the wayside Yeah, I don't know. Well? I don't think they have guys sitting there anymore. They've got a I bunch mean, of interns. I mean, you used to do that, so you'd get a good idea of what the other team was hitting and not hitting the night before, so when you face them, you were ready. That's exactly what you did. I think they've taken that chart away from those guys, and now they've got, uh, they've got a bunch Don't of uh, MIT gurus taking over all that stuff. Yeah, right. hey, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we've got more baseball to talk about. I'm going to put you guys on the hot seat here pretty soon. I want to talk about somebody that had a perfect game opportunity yesterday and it got taken away from them. How would you handle that as a manager? Uh, so we'll get back and talk about that when we hmm. come back from the break. What do we got to do right now? We've got to give some stuff away. We love doing that. We love talking about our sponsors. World Baseball Classic actually is going to be the topic right now. World Baseball Classic is coming back to Petco Park. You loved it when it first started. We had the finals here a few years ago. 2017 World Baseball Classic is coming to Petco March 14th through the 18th. So don't miss your chance to see the world's best baseball players right here competing on this beautiful park here at Petco. Visit worldbaseballclassic.com for more information today. More baseball talk, more Padre talk when we come back right here on Padres Social Hour. You want to talk Padres? Lucky for you, we're doing exactly that. This is Padres Social Hour from the AMR studio inside Petco Park. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour. Glad you're with us. Hashtag Padres SH is the tweet handle if you want to shoot us a message or send us a thought. We'd love to have you be a part of the show because it is a social hour, right, gentlemen? Absolutely. We're having some fun talking baseball right, right here. Now, before the break, I said I was going to put you guys on the hot seat. I'm not going to lie. Cholula hot seat time. Is it getting a little warm over there? Uh, it's always get, warm Getting a little toasty? Here. Yeah. Things got a little toasty for Dave Roberts last night. History <laughs> is about to be made. 23 perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. Almost got a chance to see number 24 last night. Rich Hill is pitching for the Dodgers. He's shutting down the Marlins, right? He's got a perfect game through seven. seven. And Dave Roberts says... 
you know, that's all fine and dandy, but you're not going to get a chance to finish this one. Of course, the bullpen comes in. They give up a base hit. Perfect game over. Rich Hill is left just shaking his head like, are you kidding me? I almost had a chance to be historic right here. Bill, Dave Roberts is on the hot seat today. Right. If you're the manager of that ball game, do you leave him in there to get the, the perfect game, give him an opportunity, or do you take him out? Because Dave says, look, I'm not worried about individual accolades right here. I am worried about trying to win a championship. Trying for the to win game. a championship. Where, where do you stand on that? Uh, I would have probably let him go, but I know the thinking because Rich Hill, who, by the way, has as good a breaking ball as there is. Filthy, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Holy, I don't Padres know. Padres were waving right. at it last right. week. Everybody but, has been. But yeah. he's had, and I think probably because of the way he grips his curveball, he's had blister problems. Big time. Big time blister problems. Yep. And, you know, okay, you don't want that so close to the playoffs. You don't want that blister coming up again and losing him for two or three starts. Uh, but I would have been tempted to let him go. Now, after the game, they did say – that it, where his blister was before, the skin was heating up, and that's a precursor. Yeah, I know, you're, you're, yeah, look at you. Yeah, look at you. after the game, all right. of a sudden. I didn't right. see him doing any of this in the dugout no, after I he got pulled I out. No, I didn't either. I, you know, I, I didn't was see any immediate attention to the finger. Right. So. But with the problems that he's had, no, I, would I have pulled him out of a perfect game? Chris, also? are you leaving him in or are you taking him out? What are you doing, Skip? I'm leaving him in. Are you kidding <laughs> okay. me? Wait, wait a second. Let me ask Bill this. I I'm mean, not, no, I'm not pulling him. No, I know you're, you're agreeing with me, but it is now 45 years later in San Diego, and we are still mad at uh, Gomez, Preston Gomez, for taking Clay Kirby out of that no-hitter. <laughs> now, part of that is because the Padres don't have a no-hitter. Right. I'm but more, what I'm, I'm saying I'm is more furious. no one's going to remember what happens at the end of this Dodgers season, but <laughs> if Rich Hill would have pitched a perfect game, that goes down for immortality. You've got to give him a chance. At all right, it. I'm going to be devil's advocate on this one because what if he does go out for the eighth inning and all of a sudden that blister does reach right. the point of no return. Now, we don't have any evidence that it was a factor at all in this game. They're saying afterwards, yeah, it was getting yeah, it a little was, warm. Right. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We don't really know. But if it pops back up? If it does, and he's oh. out for another three to five weeks, and it affects the you Dodgers. You can't again. manage that way, and you can't play that way. You can't live oh, yeah, that way. Can. All right, what so if he gets hit by a line drive? Can. So if you're a Dodger fan. I mean, what if he gets hit by a line drive, and he's injured and out for the play? I mean, you can't play. You can't live that way. No, you can't Go con play. You can't control the line drive, but you can certainly control, control an injury it. that you yeah, see that's you, potentially coming on. And it's been an issue already for this guy twice this season. He's missed a lot of playing time. Right, he's missed of a lot of it because of that, that blister on his hand. Yeah, if you're a Dodger fan and you end up winning the World Series because you have Rich Hill pitching for you five times during the playoffs versus he's not there, you're not as maybe not as big a deal. You're not concerned about it. Right? You're not going to win the World Series because you took Rich Hill out of that game. The karma's against you now. <laughs> Is oh, that geez. right? You've challenged the baseball gods. <laughs> you challenged the baseball guards. I'm going to tell Dave Roberts that <laughs> next time I see him. See, you hold – Preston Gomez is, you know, the, the I always, the, the original Dave Roberts, who on Steve Arlen was in the wrong position. That's the guy I always think. Yeah. Yeah. All That's, right. There's the Padre no-hitter that All right, lost. so you guys are leaving him in. I, I don't know that I disagree with you. That's tough to take a guy out. we got to take a break. Nice job on the Cholula hot seat, guys. Cholula, got to love it. It's the best hot sauce around. Uncap real flavor with Cholula hot sauce, the hot sauce with the iconic wooden cap, and the official hot sauce of the San Diego Padres. More baseball talk, more Padres talk. When we come back, Padres Social Hour. From analysis of what's happening on the field with your Padres to insights on everything MLB, we've got it right here. This is Padres Social Hour. 
Welcome back. Glad to have you with us. If you want to send us a tweet, be a part of the show. Hashtag PadresSH. We love your input. And we've got Bill Center. We've got Chris Ella. We're talking some baseball. It's been fun today, guys. Some good hardball talk. I want to pick up where we were just talking about in terms of saving a guy for the playoffs, the manager's job of protecting a player for the benefit of the organization. It, it kind of reflects all the way back to Steven Strasburg. And I go back to 2012. Ooh. The reason I'm bringing it up is because he's just announced that he may be missing the rest of this season because of some elbow tenderness, some talk of actually having the platelet injections, trying to get him back. Who knows if he's going to be back. But, you know, it, looking back, to the Nationals, does anybody in that organization regret not letting him pitch in the playoffs in 2012 when he was coming back from Tommy John surgery? I, you know what? You have to protect. I mean, I, I still believe that the overriding thing is you have to, you have to protect your assets. And, yeah, would, it, would they have had a better chance? <laughs> Absolutely. But you never know what's going to happen. That's the thing. So they go to the playoffs that year. They get right. knocked out. Right. People say they got knocked out in five dramatic games. You and can't tell me that if Strasburg wasn't right. pitching, they didn't advance <laughs> in that series. And there's it's no a guarantee. guarantee. It's a guarantee, Chris, that he would have gone out and he would have pitched well and it's they would have won the guarantee, World Series. It's not a guarantee, but it's okay. a heck of a lot better chance than the Nationals. <laughs> yeah. And you never can predict what's going to happen the next few years. Did the Nationals get back to the postseason? I think they got back one more time. One more time, exactly. It's been a four your window you know, and so, this is their window to win and it hasn't happened and, and you know Strasburg I mean he's a friend of mine I mean I, I called his games at San Diego State and yeah. I root for him and I want sure. him to have a great career yep. but at the same time shouldn't part of your career be trying to win a championship and when you get the opportunity it's just to me it would be so hard to pass up the opportunity which he's already done once and he might be thinking about doing again. I, I, I'm very surprised. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if the Nationals, again, look at it as that was the one opportunity, but we needed him for four or five opportunities. Right. It wasn't a one-year window for and them. And when you have that much money invested in somebody, I mean, you don't want to see him flame out after one year. But if you're Strasburg, he's already got the money. Not The money's not the problem, right. but he's never – what he doesn't have is any World Series glory, and he's going to get the chance. The Nationals are going to get the chance this year. But is he going to get the chance now? Is he yeah. going to give himself the chance? That's right. what I'm saying. I yeah. mean, to me, if he says I can pitch, they'll let him pitch. Baseball immort- immortality waiting for him. Right. We'll see if it happens. Do you think they brought him back too soon this time? Uh, well, now that he's having problems, yeah. obviously you wonder. But at the same time, you know what? So much of it is dependent on the player. So the organization can only go based on what the player is telling right. him. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. I was hurt. And you said you were fine. Skip, I can go. Right. Yep. And you go into the training room, and they work on you, and you feel better, and you feel like, I can compete. If I can compete, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to tell them, give me the ball. And you're not really healthy. Some guys pitch through pain. Some guys, as soon as they feel pain, they want out of the game. And that's just uh, personal preference, I guess, or personal makeup, I think, would be a better way to. Hey, talking about the Nationals real quick, Bryce Harper. Getting himself on the news once again with the home run. Yeah, the home run was nice, but even more talkative is, is this bat flip right here. And he crushes this ball in the eighth inning to put the Nats on top of the fills. And he's pretty fired up. But I think we're going to get a chance to see the bat flip here at some point. Here it is in slow motion. Boom. Contact. Right. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. Flip. Pretty nice, huh? <laughs> that's, that's uh, you know, that's, that's uh, winter ball bat flip right there. Chris, do you have any problem with that? I mean, no. No. I've never had any problem with it. If a guy hits a home run off me, I mean, good for him. I mean, I made a bad pitch or he made a, you know, put a good swing on something. I didn't have a problem with Bautista's bat flip last year. I thought it was entertaining. Bryce Harper is part ball player, part entertainer. In this day and age, I've come around to liking that kind of stuff. I've I've 
resolved that it's okay right. as well. Early in my career, I didn't play it, but now I feel like, you know what? It, it brings some excitement. If you, don't want, the guy, if you don't want the guy to bat flip off you, then strike him out. Make a better pitch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know what I – you know how I see things differently at times. When I watched the bat flip uh, video, the first thing I noticed – was how that umpire lined up to make that call on the ball down the line, I, and I and so many times now you don't see yep, you don't see the umpire get in position. You see him just behind the plate, and and he the second that ball's hit, he jumps out to get in position to make the call. Yeah, which to me he sees it going right down the line, and look at that. He lines up to, so he can make sure he can make the call. And the other key thing right there, Bill, also, that's a great point that you make. Not only is he in, in position, but the umpires are trained that they are not supposed to be moving as they make the call. Right. So you move as much as you possibly can, but as as get to that critical right. moment where you've got to make the call, you've got to stop so that your head's not moving all over the place. And, and that's make the call. exactly yeah. what he did, and you don't see that very – and so yeah. when they showed this video last night on, on, uh, on Twitter, everybody was talking about the backflip, and my thing was – You're looking at the <laughs> wow. umpire. That's so you, Bill. Such an attention to detail type of guy. We love that. I right? like watching the umpires work sometimes, the way they rotate bases and, yeah. uh, and balls to the outfield. And you know what? They take so much criticism. These guys do hustle and get great coverage of the game, and they get the call right a lot more often than we think. They're doing what we can so that the memory is about the players, right? Well, here's a chance to create some more memories. Padres, fans, be a part of Padre Baseball. Want to create lifelong memories with your family and your loved ones, reward employees, or build relationships with clients? There's a great way to do it. Join the Padres family by becoming a Padres season ticket member in 2017. To learn more, visit Padres.com slash compadres. Hey, more to come up. We've got Supercuts uh, Challenge, lineups, and more Padres talk right here on Padres Social Hour. We're talking Padres all season long. This is Padres Social Hour, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store. We love competition here at Petco Park. The Padres are going to get after with the Rockies here in a little while. Right now, we've got competition with the Supercuts head-to-head challenge. But before that, let's take a look at the lineup so we see what our uh, com competition is going to be about. Travis Jankowski leading things off in center field. Will Myers over at first base. Jan Hervis Salarte over at the hot corner. Had a nice game last night with the three RBIs. Alex Dickerson's in left. Ryan Schimpf at second base. Oswaldo Arcia going to be in right field. Derek Norris gets a start again tonight behind the dish. Alexia Marista. Getting himself a start over at shortstop. And, of course, Edwin Jackson, we talked about earlier, is going to be on the mound. Now, the head-to-head -head challenge right now. I thrashed him last night. You crushed night. him last night. <laughs> Bill Center with, with. I even got more offense from my guy than he got from his. Christian Friedrich. Right. Brought home the goods for you against Ryan Schimpf, didn't he? Yeah. Now look at the I'm score. Blooper, scared. are you getting nervous? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's like finally this. acknowledging it. He was up by almost 20 points at one point. Now it's down to eight. The couch is coming on strong. Chris? It's up to you, big man. The, coat, the couch is going to make it seven today, and this is because the Colorado Rockies can't hit here. <laughs> okay. They never have, and they never will, and that <laughs> means that Edwin Jackson's going to pitch a good game today. So, so the couch, I'm, I'm going back with to, him. Back-to-back -back nights, the couch is yeah. going with the, the pitching staff, I'm going the with Padres. The pitcher. With Edwin, it's 50-50. Look, nice. Blooper beat me the first night of the series when he went with Clayton Richard. I okay. mean, Colorado can't hit here, so I'm going Edwin Jackson. Blooper, how are you going to respond? Um, John Jay can hit here, so I will pick him. <laughs> <laughs> Very nicely done. The veteran outfielder. I like the matchup. We'll see how it all pans out. Blooper. That's your Supercuts right. head-to-head challenge. When we come back, we're going to have some more baseball talk. But right now, Supercuts, they pay attention to every single detail. The cut, the lines, the hot towel finish, so you can feel sharp, clean, and ready to go. Find a Supercuts near you at Supercuts.com. Final segment coming up right here on Padre Social Hour. 
Get ready for every Padres game with us. Coming to you from inside the team store at Petco Park, this is Padres Social Hour. Final segment. Glad you're with us right here on Padres Social Hour. Gentlemen, we only have a couple of minutes. Let's get right to it. The Yankees coming on strong. They've won six in a row. They're only three games out right now. They're making a comeback. Addition by subtraction by getting rid of A-Rod and some of the older players? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, getting rid of A-Rod's a, a smart move. And now they've got a bunch of young kids that really want to play. I, it's, it's, I mean, I'm not a big Yankee fan, but it's really fun to watch. You know, I wish the Padres were doing something similar with their young kids. It shows the, the, the difference in level of talent coming up from the minor leagues that the Yankees have right now. And we just saw in the highlights right there, Gary Sanchez hitting a sacrifice fly on a pitch that was supposed to actually be an uh, intentional right. walk, right? Didn't get it out there far enough, and he shows the power. Uh-oh, sorry about that, Andy Romero, the Tampa Bay Raid guy. You're supposed to walk him, and instead you give up the run. Not bueno. That actually happened to me one time. Yeah. Facing Will Clark. He was with the Giants. He had a 15-game hitting streak going. He was 0 for the game. I come in. I'm supposed to intentionally walk him. I throw a cutter. It comes right back out over the plate. A cutter? But yeah. Well, I didn't mean to throw him a cutter. It came out of my hand. It was cutting. I said, oh, no. His eyes lit up this big. He crushes it to the gap. Andre Dawson tracks it down in the gap. Thank God. So I didn't give up the game-winning double. But still, uh, you got to be careful on those pitch outs. It's not a given. <laughs> not a given. Well, it's your answer to people who say that on the intentional walk, they ought to just let the guy to first. Exactly. I'm telling you, and it's and not that easy. I say no easy. way. You always That's, have to throw the pitch. I've heard Make that argument, and, I, and I'm totally with you guys. Yeah. Hey, real quick, wild card in the National League. It's getting interesting. you got the Giants, and the Cardinals have locked in positions right now. But it could change with the Mets only a half game behind the Cardinals. Who do you see coming out on top of that race? I don't think the Giants make it. Really? They're going to fall apart? Yeah, I, I just, the way they've been playing since the All-Star break. I, I still see the Giants winning the division. How about that, Bill? <laughs> yeah. That would be quite a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us, Chris. Bill, great job today. Tomorrow, 5.30 to 6.30, Brady Phelps is going to be right here in the number one chair. Randy Jones. Chris, you're going to be back. Look forward to having you. Padres Social Hour. Enjoy the Padres baseball game. Thanks for being with us. Good night.